So you signed him what, 92? 90, yeah, 92. So he's on, how much, how much he was on, basic? Let's just say you had a Scottish granny, right, just say, would you have stopped Gaza? On the afternoon, I was going in and they said, right, you'll wake up and it'll be one of two ways. If you're in an oxygen tent, we've removed the shin from below the knee. Brilliant, nice one. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Appreciate this. It's our first, obviously, podcast with a camera, which is obviously exciting for everybody. Just like to welcome a good friend of mine, next teammate, David Boost, and obviously my co-host, uh, Rennie Butler. Um, just basically, David Boosty, we're just going to talk, literally, go through a few things, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the highs and lows. We might just obviously go off title a little bit, maybe, but it's just a nice little gentle chat just about your football career and obviously the famous injury. Um, but we'd just like to start off with, you know, how did it come about being a footballer and stuff like that? So just, you know, this is type, type, like a little bit of a warm-up, really. Um, probably started like the same. Every, every kid, you know, you given a football. Um, I had a dad that was into, into sport. Football was his main one. I, I, an older brother, so playing. I remember my first experience was, because uh, he didn't have the setups now they have with the academies and all things like that and you mm. couldn't even get into a team until you were like under 10 under 11 you know and um, my brother was was in the year above me but it was two years or 18 months older than me and he was playing for the scouts and they had a team so i wanted to play for that team mm. and you know and as it was you know was a, i could win a little bit there I was, I was playing up front and i just went along with him and they asked me to play and uh, so my first experience of a team was playing a year, year above with my brother in, in that team. And you just, just want to play football. I'm not a great watcher of football. I'm still not a great watcher of football. I watch highlights. It has to be a really good game to engross mm. me. So whenever any football was on, on I don't know, probably Star Soccer or the big match, I mean, mm. all these ones back in the 70s, mm. um, I'd be outside kicking a ball against the wall, playing with a couple of mates, you know, street football, jumpers for goalposts, whatever. Yeah. That's, how, that's how I grew mm. up. Yeah. Um, you know, unwittingly probably learning, you know, my trade really, you know, finding the skills. But um, at, at under 14 is when um, I was, a, we was approached um, from a, you, you couldn't be attached to any professional football club. So what the clever people did was they would set up a Sunday football club. In my case, it was Dunlop Terriers. And then they would get the players that they wanted to play regularly, but not under the club's banner in any way. Mm. Um, so we were playing in the Aston Villa's kit. We went around in an Aston Villa minibus. We trained just down the road from Aston Villa every Friday night. And we were players from all over the Midlands. So we had a couple of lads from, um, I don't know if you remember Paul Reid, uh, mm. used to be at Leicester. So yeah. he, he was a year below me, but you know, lads were either playing a year below, a year, year above. And people like Mark Walters and Gary Shaw had also played for Dunlop oh, yeah. Terriers. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much Aston. Uh, Based. So they went and cherry picked all over, and that was the closest we came to being schoolboys. The ones that were really good would get signed at schoolboy forms, uh, and the rest were kept sort of just ticking along, make sure they kept an eye on them. And nine of my team, uh, under 16, went and signed for Leicester City as APs, uh, apprentices, uh, and I didn't. So I was I I had a growth spurt, and I was playing I was playing left wing in mid and left midfield, and sometimes up front, up to up to 16. And my last year with Dunlop Terriers, they put me at sweeper and I was getting s smaller and I was, you know, I was a little bit chunkier. And then that's where I, I sort of stayed there. So the next two years, I went and played, I worked for Botanic Assurance and they were playing in um, Division Two of the Works League. Um, and I 
that was the that was the best grounding for me because not only did I have a growth spurt between sort of 15 and 18 when I probably grew a foot, um, I was playing in adults football, couldn't play, would get kicked, would get elbowed, and it really sort of, you know, the, the, the physical side of the game, the attributes you need for the physical side, I learned on the parks pitches in and around mm. Um And then from that, you, you just get picked up, and I was, you know, my dad was very much into football, connected with Solihullborough. He got me to go and play for their reserve team. He was a scout for the first team. Uh, so I spent half the season with them. Uh, then when I went to a team called Kings Heath in the Midland Com, again, their reserve team, worked my way up to the first team. And then the, the, the change uh, came when we played uh, Birmingham, played in the Birmingham Senior Cup. Mm. Uh, we played more green. And in that team, there was likes of me, um, Ian, Ian Taylor. Um, well, yeah. That, that's that's yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah. We, we played at more green in reserves. That's mm. where that's where we first met, and um, we we got into the first team at more green at the same time, and then I, I was playing for Kingsley. We drew nil nil in the Birmingham Senior Cup, uh, and then we had a replay and we lost the replay. And then Bob Faulkner signed me. Um, he had to come and drag me from my home to go and sign because twice I didn't turn up because I wow. wanted to play with my mates. And wow. um, Bob Faulkner's massive in you know 25 years. Mm. He's spent sadly not with us anymore, but big influence on my career. And um, so I went to Moor Green then, and then while I was at Moor Green, um, played four, four, four years I had there from 19 to sort of 23, 24, and uh, had various trials at various clubs. You know, I remember going to Warsaw uh, where um, John Barnwell was manager. Mm -hmm. Dean Smith played alongside Dean Smith wow. in, a, in, a, in a youth team match, mm -hmm. to, but didn't quite make it. And then last so year. How old was you then? At Warsaw? I was about 22 at Warsaw. Oh, really? Yeah, um, spent two weeks there. Mm. Uh, that didn't come off, and I thought, oh, that's it now. I'll just concentrate, you know, working and playing on league. And uh, Barry Powell, do you remember? Yeah, Barry yeah, Powell? no, Barry, yeah, yeah. So Barry Powell was, was working, he, his last chance after uh, he's on the downward of his pro career, mm. he ended up at Moore Green for a year. Right. Uh, and he knew John Bettles, who was a scout for the West Midlands. And Coventry at that time were renowned for picking up players from non league Sean Flynn, mm. Andy Pierce, Tim Clark, goalkeeper. Um, and Barry said to Terry Butcher, who knew, obviously knew uh, quite well through the work he was doing at the community scheme, uh, said, come and watch this lad. And they did invite me for a trial. Spent so that, was at this point, was you a centre-half then, at this point? I was or were you still playing, playing up front? No, no. So I was, after 16, I'd never played. Right, get you. Right, right, get you. <laughs> uh, and I was a right-footed player playing on the left wing, mm. predominantly. Um, so during that sort of three or four years of where I was growing, I was, you know... Um, my body was all out of kills mm. and growth spurts and, you know. So what type of centre-half was you then, back then? I was always playing, I always was a sweeper, so I was the one that was sort of Just mop uh, all reading the game, yeah. mopping it up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know. Well, that, that, that would make sense, actually, if Butcher, um, yeah. you know, wanted that to, that wanted to sign you. mould of a player, player yeah. wasn't mm. So with him coming to watch me, he would be looking for something, whereas Bobby Gould, who was a centre-forward, wouldn't appreciate yeah. certain little things. Yeah. So, you know, with, again, that's a little bit of luck yeah. you have too, yeah, yeah. you know, massive centre-half for England, Ipswich Rangers. Um, and they invited me for a trial, had a week's trial, uh, came up against the likes of Paul Furlong at the time. Mm. Um, Strong, powerful, yeah. yeah. Kevin Gallagher was, William, was in yeah. there, and all of a sudden, you that's a, a massive leap. Mm. Uh, and they got, and, um, and I, I thought I did, the, did I spent the week there, had a week off work. Um, and then played a reserve game, and uh, you'll remember Martin Booty. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we had a reserve game at Highfield Road. Went for a ball. He called. I called boost. He called booty. We both went to the same ball and ended up whacking the bottom of his studs and broke the toe. Wow. Big toe. And then we had a game the following week at Man United away. And I thought, I can't tell anyone I've got a broken toe. I'm just mm. going to have to go through it because this chance is not going to happen mm. again. And we went up to Old Trafford uh, on, the, on the coach. Real nice coach, like, from what I was used to. Yeah, you know, yeah. These, these had tables. Mm. <laughs> Never seen anything like it. You know, Terry was on, the, on there as well. And Sean Flynn, who I'd come up against. He wasn't a mate, but I'd come up against him in non-league. He'd signed um, two months sort of prior to that game. Right. And then um, we were played, so it was Old Trafford, it was Lee Sharp's comeback game from when he first did his knee injury. There was nine internationals in the Man United um, side. I think Martin Robbins wow. might have been in that team, actually. Wow. And, um, and 15,000 fans had turned up to watch this reserve game at Old Trafford. And no pressure then. Yeah, and we, we, we played really well, actually. Um, one, no, I think we drew. One all, was it? We drew one all, yeah. yeah. Wallace, 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 yeah, that's right, yeah. I think Sean Flynn might have scored. Right. actually. Um, so again, that was, you know, I suppose a test they saw that, you know, we could, we could, I could stand up to it and I played with a broken toe. Uh, to be fair, that's a, if you're going to get thrown into any kind of situation, that is probably the best, you know, it's a sink or swim in it. Yeah, do you know you, what I mean? And you want to find out what, how you're going to cope mm. with, with a crowd. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah. And, and things like that. And that in itself pressurised so, as well, isn't it? So you've gone from playing for more green in front of 300, 400, 500 people playing at Old Trafford. On your debut. On your debut. Yeah, well, it was a reserve game. It that's what I'm saying. It wasn't that's what I mean, it was, that's what I mean just trial, in the reserves. But you know, it wasn't in reserve. I, I was on trial. So, wow. Uh, yeah. You know, just see. Not many people play in front of 15,000 anyway, did no, they? No, Let's no. be honest. And you just see the, the team sheet comes through and you're looking at nine internationals were playing. Mm, wow. Of course, it's, it's interesting because that, that it was, as you say, used as a combat game for Lee Sharp. But according to Roy Keane in his first autobiography, um, Sharp rushed his come back you know he was out partying all the time rather than doing his rehab but how good was he uh, it, but yeah. he was never the same player again no obviously he was a local it was a hell's own lad as well mm. so he yeah. knew Flynn and, mm. and all them mm. and it, it was you know it, it was the year of the footballers then it wasn't yeah. you can't you can't compare it to now and and back then it was there was a drink drinking culture. There was, it was I call it socials. It was part and parcel of the football, wasn't it? Yeah, no. you, yeah, you went out, you had a reserve game, you had a few beers afterwards mm. on your day off. The next day, you went out, you came back, you trained hard. Just a normal one, and get mm. out of your system. That was, you know. And who did you mark in that game? <sighs> we were talking about it. We can't, I can't, I'm yeah, I'm shocking I, as well. I'm and again, it's different times when I've played against yeah. um, United in reserve um, a majority of the time. So I remember playing against Dion. And I think that was that was Dion and Mark Robbins was then. Wow. Obviously, Wallace was playing. For, I'd, I'd have to get a think mm. to yeah. see because I just know. Remember, look, I remember Mal Donahue. Donner, mm. Donner, he was he was one of the internationals then. I can't remember who it was for. Did, did you pad your, your boot out? I, I went to Boots and bought this foam thing, which goes over. We used to put them on your big toes anyway, mm. didn't you? Yeah, just yeah. to someone trod on your toe. Mm. It was like a sponge on yeah, your yeah. boots. You had a protection thing on it. Yeah. So I, I just went and got one of them um, and, and put that and just taped it up as much as I could. And um, I always remember as well that afterwards they were talking about George Dalton who mm. was a physio. So obviously I've got like a blood blister underneath it as well. And then he was drilling it and he, oh, and he drilled into my big toe and all the blood came out. But, you know, about a few weeks later, it, 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 the toe had got infected. Mm. So, and again, in between from when I come, come back, I, I couldn't play for more green anymore because I'd got this septic 
toe from the <laughs> from him drilling into my. He's done that plenty of times for yeah, me. Trust me, it, it was just a, a thing. He loved he loved seeing people in pain as well. No, no, honestly, he hadn't, he hadn't done he loved it. Wrong, no, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, we just he, honestly, that was a known thing to do. Bosh, get all the pressure yeah, out. Yeah. Done. And it was uh, it just happened to me that I got got, got infected. Well, that's incredible, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? You, like you say, you've come from non-league where the tempo is nowhere near as. Even the reserve teams are fast paced with nine internationals in front of fifteen thousand people. You get thrown in there, obviously do well. And, and then you just you're thinking then, right, well, the next next thing what's going on. And then obviously after that game they said, right, we want to sort you Coventry didn't have any money at all then, even to buy a non league player. Mm. Not that I was I was on contract or anything. Um they've gone, but we've got to we've got to put a deal together for you. And you know, and that took two or three weeks and then this was coming into December, around Christmas time. And then I, I'll never forget, just after Christmas, shortly before New Year, I think it was, mm. um, just saw on the news, or teletext, not the news, it was teletext. Teletext, yeah. Oh, that was... That was <laughs> oh, Oracle, brilliant. teletext. Yeah. Like, that's it. how we used to get our information. Mm. Yeah. That's mm. equivalent to brilliant. the, the ticker tape. Can't page to change. Yeah. The ticker tape bar that goes, on, goes yeah. across Sky at the moment, mm. uh, that, that was our teletext page, mm. and you'd go there, you'd find out who was moving on, or... The cameraman's thinking, what? Yeah, yeah. Teletext. yeah. teletext. We'll explain later, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, and then I saw that Terry Butcher got the sack, and I just thought, oh, oh heart pounder. Yeah, what's mm. going on here? And yeah. so you get onto the phone to people you know. Again, phone, no mobiles back mm. there. Spoke to John Bettles, who was, he's not with us anymore, but he was, he was brilliant. And he said, look, I'll, I'll make a few phone calls, I'll speak to whatever. And this happened. And I'd handed him a notice in it to Britannic Assurance as well. Mm. Um, so I was like, what's going on? And this lasted for about a day and a half, so it's not like going on for weeks thinking what's going on. This happened, but it felt like an eternity mm. with me. Um, but luckily, John came back and he said, look, Donnell's taking over. Donnell was Terry's number two. He was at, or while I was training the mm. first team on trial, he was there for the Man United game. Terry had obviously said that they wanted to sign me or ask his opinion. So he said it wasn't a case of, oh, well, you're not my player. Mm. He said, look, we're gonna, we'll, we'll honour the deal that Terry had tried to get for That's you. That's good. Brilliant. I didn't know what that deal was. Mm. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll still sign you. Can you come down and have a, have a chat? And I just remember going in, and because I've worked in insurance, so I had to wear a suit all the mm. time. My dad came with me and walked into the uh, right and right in, through yeah. the doors into yeah. the big room. Paul Tables over there. Mm. Steve Grozovich came over to me. He goes, "Oh, that looks like a signing-on suit to me." And uh, brilliant. You know, and then I went up, went upstairs, had a chat. Um, the, my dad. I'm glad my dad was there because I'd have only signed for 12 months had <laughs> he not been there. Oh, so did this offer you a year's deal at the time? Yeah, is it, right. actually, they offered me a year because I, I, this was January time, so they were right. offering me a year, year and a half. season and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd have just signed whatever they, they mm. asked me asked me to. But um, my dad just tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Look, he's got a he's got a wife, he's got a family, he's mm. got commitments, he's got a job, need a little bit more security." And he Dino just went, well, what, what are you thinking? And he said, well, two and a half years, we'll just yeah. give it a little mm. bit more. Mm. And um, it went fine. He goes, just got to bring more green now. So they were on the phone to the Bob Faulkner, yeah, yeah. talking to him, because there was no fee involved, but they wanted to do it properly. So mm. I think they ended up signing. I think they said that they'd give them £5,000 and they'd take the commentary team down for pre-season friendly. That's good, because you were done contract yeah. as well, weren't you? Yeah, and wow. that, that's how commentary that's good, wanted though. to operate. They didn't mm. want to just take me away. They could have done, and I could have mm. bought it. If, if I'd have heard any arguments, I'd have been on the phone to mm. Bob as much as I liked him. Don't, mm. you know, there's no obligation for me to stay, you know, I can go. Yeah. But they didn't, they did it right. And it was... Uh, so going right. from the part-time football, I mean, I've obviously, I've gone from Premier League now to the bottom. You've gone from bottom to the Premier League. So that transition of working all day, then you've got to go training. Then all of a sudden you've, you've literally scrapped that and now you're a full-time footballer. How good's that? The tempo, what was the tempo like? It's from obviously non-league to... 
Premier League. It, it was. I, I was always thought I was. You know, I, I, Quite I, I've got a family and, mm. and that, so I wasn't at, at that age. You know, 24. I wasn't mm. going out. out. <laughs> mm. um, so I was quite fit. I was, you know, I was playing three times a week, training mm. when I did that. But when you go to full-time training, I'd say it took me six months to get to mm. anywhere the near. You know, I was, yeah. pl- I was playing reserve team um, football for the next next six months. But your, your whole the routine changes because you, you, I was used to playing Saturdays and, and Tuesdays, and all of a sudden, you, the preparation is all geared around the first team. And then you might have to go and be a you know, a runner a dummy, against yeah. the, um, yeah. the the first team while they're doing their pattern of play, and mm. then you, well, I, was, I was never near, anywhere near the first team squad for the first six months. Um, but just the physical training part of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Flynn was a, a, a anomaly. He was, you know, he, he would come off the building sites, and he was as fit, if not fit, mm. pose. But but I wasn't. I was, you know, getting used to having to train every single day. It is tough. How different is it now for non-league players that make the same trajectory as you have? Say, obviously, Tyrone Mings had a very sort of similar path to you. He, he was working uh, as a mortgage advisor, I think, and obviously you were finance advisor, is that right? Yeah, and yeah. Worked for Botanic Insurance. Yeah. Then you, you know, get signed in the big league. But if a, if a you know, Chris Smalling's another one, I think, was non-league, made a, made a Premier League centre-back, didn't he? But what 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 would they do now? Do they do they have six months pushing through the reserves? I don't know. It'd be it'd be how how fit you are before, whether how you adapt, and what level you come in at. So mm-hmm. you know, I, again, my, my history of, of other players and that. So the Chris Mornings and the Tyrone means I don't know whether they'd come in at clubs in lower divisions. Whether mm-hmm. that might have mm-hmm. been easier you, for me. Because you had no anywhere. No. I just you know. Because you didn't obviously go through an academy either, did you? Type of thing. I know they didn't, but that's hard in itself as well. Because you kind of get moulded into the the team way of the shape playing stuff like that, don't you? Yeah. So you've literally gone from probably a little bit of pattern of playing, a little bit of shape at more green to structured yeah. environment. Do you know what I mean? And that is hard in itself. Yeah. 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 Do you know it's so yeah. hard to to yeah. adapt quite quickly. To, to yeah. So. In that first six, 12 months, it was twelve months. I, I signed in in the January, and I made my debut twelve months later. In between then, I was getting fit. I was still playing the reserve team football. Mm. I was nowhere near the first team. Um, and then the, the next six months, then it's, you know, we, we, we were talking about it before, you mm. play along players, and players will say little little bits. And I always remember Peter Billing. You, you'll remember yeah. Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a centre-half, probably, you know, just been in the first team a lot uh, at Coventry, especially in, in League One and that, when it was the old League One. As it got into the Premier League, probably wasn't, Mm. wasn't quite that level but still played enough games and I ended up playing alongside him a lot of reserve team games and I learned so much off him about position talking about goal side ball side these are terminology mm. I've not heard before yeah. I don't know what they are I mean, but he would give me a, an understanding he goes look if, you, if it's goal side ball side and you're on yeah. that side the forward's got to run across you so he can't football lingo in it yeah. so it's just little things like that mm. about positional sense so I was obviously I, was, I won't say I was very quick but I was for the centre half I was quick mm. Had a good recovery um, of that, and I'd got a good understanding of the ball, and I, I knew how to tackle ball, and knew how to, to tackle, and I was quite good, you know, with the ball at my feet as mm. well. So, um, but you have to hone the rest of it. There's a whole different ball game that comes into it, and I learned that off experienced professionals mm. that had been there. You know, and you're picking up the little players. So I was playing alongside Lloyd McGraw, and Lloyd McGraw was again probably on the downward of going out mm. of top level football. Mickey Jin. You know, for the first year, these are all extremely good footballers. Yeah. I learned so much off um, 
because they were then playing, you know, Dean Emerson that were playing in the in the reserve. Nuddy was on his way up. Peter and Ruff was yeah. just started off yeah, with yeah. me, and you, you, you know, you're playing with those sort of caliber of players, and you just so learn off everyone. You've got to be a sponge in football. You have to. It's so obviously, again, that transition between non-league. Did you feel accepted straight away as soon as you walked through the training ground, or was it kind of like, did you have that little bit of not so much ego, but it was like oh, he's a non-league player? Or was it like you was accepted straight away? And I think, think you get it anyway, no matter what yeah. dressing room you go into, where it's anything, because you're going in and so someone else someone's plays place. in your mm. thing. And, yeah. and at, at the elite level of football, it's going to happen. Mm. The thing that works well for me was, and it depends whether you're a cocky little... Mm. Are we swearing? No. Mm. If you're, <laughs> you can swear. Yeah. You're, you're, you won't make mates quickly no. and they'll want to put you down. But I, I went in... There was a, quite a few of the non-league boys had come up that way. So Flinny and Flinny, Andy yeah. Pearce, and mm. I used to room with Andy Pearce, and, and that was awkward because when I made my debut, I was rooming with Andy Pearce, and he got dropped. Oh wow! <laughs> and I replaced him. Yeah, yeah. Point. But um, so, so I went in and I knew a, a, a familiar faces as, as such, that helped and as you well, just hone into them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we had to, there was it wasn't back then. There wasn't you know superstars or anything like that. And that's not saying just because someone's these days is a high, um, you know sign or anything like that it doesn't mean it's every dressing room has, this, has the same cohort of, of players they'll have your your loud cocky ones that are there for taking the mic out of it. you'll have your quiet unassuming yeah. ones who just want to yeah. go about and get the ones and you'll have the middle of the road ones mm. which are dipping in and out of, of mm. all of them and that mm. don't change in, in any of them and it's how you are as a person so with mine i was quite i was you know i've been in insurance i knew how to talk to people yeah. I knew I had to be approachable as well. My own, yeah. my own yeah. life skills, which I was brought up with, and values, you know, the way I played the game and, and, and things like that, that all comes from my family and that that defines who you are. Not and to be fair, that goes well with me because obviously, what, we're 10, 11 years apart, but when I obviously joined, you was like that calming influence to youngsters as well. Do you know what I mean? So you, you kind of look up to the people like yourself and go, right, how does he adapt to this? Blah, blah, blah. So that helped me. So obviously it's like a chain, isn't it? You know, you go into a dressing room, you're hoping that someone like Boosty will be there. Obviously I'll come in and you was that, along with a lot of others like Noel Whelan, Paul Telfer. You know, you've got your Paul Williams who would have a little go at you because that was part and parcel of football. Still a good lad, but obviously a different approach to the youngsters. I think it's just your, your, the way you're brought up. Mm. And, you know, I always had the, one of the... Um, sort of life skills is you know treat others how you want to be treated yeah. yourself so yeah, yeah. you know whether it was I, I used to spend a lot of time in, in the reserves and all the youngs mm. all the youngsters yeah, yeah. you know yeah. were in there so that's how I, I know the likes of yourself yeah. and, and Gavin Willie Boland yeah. and Marcus and all of those that were coming up mm. spent a lot of time with them yeah. but, and I was older and I could give them I could sort of give them that thing look that, that, that sort of grounding saying look you got to remember football's not always going to be there and I was always going PFA, right? Yeah. Get in touch. Do your coaching badges now, because mm. you never. There's, there's a life after football. Long time we say that. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to adapt f to going off. So, I was sort of that older, yeah, person that had sort of had the working experience, gone into that, and I knew I'd never be there at, at playing football for long. I knew I'd be going back to the working. Mm. I used to call it the real world. Yeah. So I used to just have be a grand in a sandwich, saying, "Look, do what you can when you can, but plan mm. for." And how different is it now? Do you think between? The first team, youth team, and reserve teams. Do you think that you know the senior pros are as uh, encouraging of the up-and-coming players, or is there more detachment? I, I, God, it's changed so much mm. since it's, you know 25, 26 years since I was in that. It's you know obviously with the, the job that I do now, I'm in and around it, but I'm nowhere near finding out what relationships. Like I just go from like, you know 
over the years dealing with all the player appearances at Coventry City, it's the same thing. You'll have your players that will go out their way and do everything for you. They'll have that where they've come from. Is it non-league? Is it lower league coming into, into Coventry? You'll have ones that, you know, attitudes are a little bit, oh, no, I ain't doing that. And it's the same up and down. I just, just think it's people. brutal. Back, back in the day, not, not so much brutal, but the banter was very brutal. I mean, I don't think you can get away with it now, could you? No, you know it's, I mean? it's probably a politically correct yeah. climate. Yeah. And, 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 and social media as well, yeah. does it? Yeah. You know, Everything's you, transparent. You, know, you, mm. you, you only have got to follow some of the people that are doing all the TikTok stuff. Mm. And, you know, yeah. you look at mm. um, Lingard and, you know, mm. yeah, I, I, I love watching it, cause it's, yeah. but it's... These days, you have to be you, um, so much more. Um, yeah. Exactly, a mistake now is a mistake forever. Yeah. You know, you're mm. the scrutiny yeah. spotlight all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So just going then, obviously you've got obviously he wasn't obviously getting paid massive amounts at Moor Green. Obviously he was getting a, a, a decent job money. What was it like when you first got your first pay packet at Coventry? Was it like open it up? Can't believe it. Here we go. I've made it. Or was it the opposite? It was. Uh, <laughs> it was quite grounded. Well, not grounded because I knew what I was. I was doing. So the, the contract I got offered was £325 a, a week and then they go into your bonuses if you're in the first team. £200 win bonus, £100 draw, um, and, and then that was it. There was nothing else. Mm. So like potentially, if, we were, if you were playing and winning, you were pulling in six, 600 quid. So um, you signed him, what, 92? 90, yeah, 92. So he was on, how, much, how much were you on, basic? I was on three three twenty five for the first eighteen months, and then it went up to three seven five for the last last year. So everybody that's listening to this, people automatically think footballers are just going to get thousands and thousands yeah, and thousands of yeah, pounds, yeah. and automatically you're going to be set up for life. So that for me is perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You think it's, it's still not bad money. Don't get me wrong. Back then, but yeah. it was. It, I was obviously as, as I said. I was earned, the money I was earning from non-league and my job was more than what I, the basic assigned for. Yeah. Um, and for 12 months, the basic is what I got. <laughs> and you still had to win games to get any... Sorry, you got appearance money as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and it was very much the same for whether you were professional like me, uh, whether you was not an apprentice or a, a YT, the bonuses were the, were the same. It was, I think it, a few other players might have been different, but it was usually 200 win, mm. 200 appearance, and then draw was, was yeah. that. So if you, you know, if you were winning, if you were playing winning, you know, you were getting an extra four. That's what it was. You were getting an extra four hundred. You say top up, yeah. It is, yeah. You know, and that's good money compared yeah. to yeah. whatever it was. I was just yeah. at the time. I would, I would have signed for a lot less to go and have the chance to be a mm. professional footballer. Well, even in the Premier League in in the early to mid nineties, the average weekly wage as uh, j just a basic wage was over two thousand pounds a week. Whereas now, for example. £61,000 a week but people they hear Premier League and they assume like you say Scott Certainly. bang you know mansions sports cars etc but at the thick end the sharp end if you will of, um, of, of Premier League football is a massive difference isn't mm. there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I signed uh, when I got into the team under Phil Neal um, I think it was 94 95 season where I paid the majority half at least half of the total appearances I made um, I was out of contract, so I would have been, um, sorry, I was out of contract and I was on a free, so I was on a week to week then. Mm. And then I was able to haggle a little bit with Phil Neal because Phil Babb had left, Peter Atherton had left, uh, Pete Billing had, had already gone, there was no centre-halves. So I was, it was literally, you're mm. playing me against Wimbledon on Saturday uh, or, or no one. And so that week I hadn't signed, so I was able to, I, I, I managed to get a £1,000 um, basic then uh, uh, out of them and that was a two-year contract and that's the contract I've finished with because obviously 
two years down the line. So I, that was a big leap I there, Monit, really. Yeah. A big leap in. But it was just, it was just the... Um, you just... It, you could see players in your... My, my mates, they were quite close to me. And there was a group of, you know, Sean Flynn, mm. Steve Morgans, Lee Jenkinsons, all of those lot. They'd sort of been bought in through Bobby Gould. Mm. So you, you have a chat and you find out what they're on. And I remember Sean Flynn telling me he'd, he'd, they'd put him up to seven, 700, 750. And, and quite rightly so. Mm. He played a hell of a lot of games in the first team. Mm. So you, you knew what your benchmark was. And as I say, I was in a little bit of a privileged position where I, could just, I was saying to Phil, you've got, I know you've got no one else. Mm. Seller's uh, market. Yeah. Yeah, you know. it's interesting because apparently, you know, since the formation of the Premier League and people, are, are, some people assume football began in 1992 and of course it didn't, but the, but the great negotiators were Jurgen Klinsmann and Eric Cantona apparently, they did a lot of their bidding and hustling themselves and that precedent and the atmosphere that they created at their clubs filtered down to all the other players mm. and yeah. helped make them a little bit more yeah. street smart. And he, wanted, and he didn't want to see people getting taken advantage of as well. Yeah. So if you had a, a young player that was coming through, you know, I remember the older players would say to him, look, you know, don't, don't sign, get yourself an agent, and mm. whatever you thought about it. Yeah. It's, you know, just don't go in and sign the first thing. You're, you're, it's basically bargaining skills. It's mm. like anything with like yeah, any you job. Yeah. You're yeah. going to go in and you're going to go, right, actually, you're offering this. Actually, if you can go, if you can get me this or, you know, it's getting your add-ons and, and, and that. So it's, That's good. it's negotiating skills, yeah. life, life skills. That's good. Just going, obviously, like we said, we've got a topic to kind of go with. The good parts then. What's the good parts of being a footballer? Um, and obviously in a coach and stuff like that, you know. What, what would you say is the good parts? To play, getting paid to play the game that you love. Yeah. Regardless of... Did you actually class it as a job? Because I never did. No, I you no, wouldn't you? get paid to do your, you, you your job. Lo- yeah. it, that's it. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. It wasn't a job. I enjoyed doing it. I don't go. Oh, you can all say we love playing football, but you know, on a, on a day like today, we'd still be out mm. training. I'm not pulling on anyone's heartstrings because mm. we'd probably be out for an hour yeah. if it was like icy mm. things mm. like that. Or yeah. when you're doing pre-season, and we, when I was doing pre-season, I, pre-season, it was a mixture of the, um, you know, I was there when uh, we went to the um, parachute. Down in Aldershot and mm. Lee Hurst. God, yeah. Um, God, yeah. Bad injury, wasn't it? Yeah. His knee, you know, great. Obstacle course, great wasn't prospect, it? Mm. And his career never recovered from mm. that. And he was one of the hottest young players mm. coming through. What a player. And, you know, so I, you know, things can happen, injuries can happen. Um, no one could foresee those. Mm. I, I would probably question why we were mm. jumping down off mm. six foot walls mm. in, on a pre season. I get why we were there because it was to build the bond, that, the it, bond yeah. between the team. Yeah. But, Looking back, that's hindsight for you, though. Mm. You know. So. so, what was it like? Obviously, when you the first fan come up to you with an autograph, you know, did you think, "Well, I've made it now," or, you know, that must have been like a big achievement? Because I'll be honest with you, I was a reserve team player at Coventry. First person that comes to me, I was thinking, "Oh my God, this is, I'm, I'm just a normal person." But <laughs> you, you do it honestly. It's, it's, it's bizarre for me. But not from what I've seen earlier in Costas. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I smell nice, so obviously that's always going to get. But you know what I mean? It's like. Did you then, is it like a, not an ego thing, but you know, you kind of think, well, I'm starting to get recognised now and... I think anyone who asks for anyone's... It's a privilege, isn't it? It's yeah. a privilege. Yeah. And there'll be a time when people won't want to ask. Mm. So that's what you've got to remind. Yeah. And, and, not, and even to this day now, it doesn't, it doesn't happen much. But, you know, I've always got time for someone, even if, it's to, if you've been over to where Costa and Tesco's yeah. is, you know, someone will stop me and just have a chat. Yeah. You know, it's... You, for, for, you've got to understand, for someone to ask you for your autograph is to not see it from your point of view, oh, yeah, I'm mm. Billy Big so-and-so. Mm. It's 
my God, you're you're actually asking me for like I'm I'm the one who's privileged because yeah. you've asked. Yeah, me. they're putting themselves in a subservient yeah. position. And, and so that's I've always again yeah. it, it comes down to your who you are as a person, what your um, um, what your morals are like, what mm. your upbringing yeah. was up about, and if if someone wants to have your autograph and. That then you should put your It's kind of two out. minutes out of your time, isn't it? Yeah. That's what you've got to look at there it. There are some footballers, one of the greatest to ever play the game, Cristiano Ronaldo, who, and it's not just for cameras, he does genuinely go out of his way to mm. sign autographs, mm. you know, make his time to spend with the fans, etc. I mean, I remember, you know, um, the, the foot, Premier League footballer that always seemed to have time for fans was Ian Wright. Yeah. You know, could, ne could, could never. Do, but again, yeah. it's come from that. Could never mold. do enough. Mm. Whereas there's others, I won't mention them. Some mm. high profile, they just you know, didn't want to know. I think it's just it's just yourself going, making sure it's it's who you are as a person and, and understanding. Just because you're now a footballer doesn't make you any better than no. anybody totally. else. No, totally. No, I get that. And you should understand how people, in the highest esteem, they they, they mm. hold you and respect that. So if people don't know, obviously, at the Brighton and Dunsmore, it's like most clubs really you've got your first team dressing room you've got your reserve team dressing room you've got your, your, your youth team dressing room so I'm assuming you was in the reserve team dressing room to start with what, at what point did you get promoted into that first team because I know a couple of lads I think Marcus Hall was one of them to be fair he was in the reserve team dressing room made it as a so-called first team player which he did but he kept in that dressing room so you know when did you actually walk in there and think oh my god I, I, was, I don't know if it was because of my age but I was in the or did you go straight I was in straight in the first team dressing room. Right. When I had my trial, mm. I, was, I, was, I was in there. Right. I was remember sitting next to uh, Andy, Andy Pearce and that, you'll remember the wooden things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and these days, it's all one. Mm. So right and now, they're three changing rooms they had. That's all knocked into one big one. Right. So there's none of that mm. you know, divide, type of, yeah, divide yeah, yeah, or anything yeah. like that. But I was in, I, I just naturally gone in there and, you know, was... So obviously the good point is, you know, obviously they say the banter, people know that the banter's unbelievable. Who was the characters in that era of yours in 92, 93, 94 season? So Peter Billing earlier, and again, footballers come and go over, yeah. overnight. So Peter Billing, he was always, um, you know, scouser. There was, I always remember him used to, and he, it's that argument, bullying, banter. Yeah. What's the thing? I always remember he used to take the mick out of Ray Woods. Right. You know, and... And he used to give as good as he mm. as he got. So he was, he was a big character around the dressing room. Yeah. Um, and then when you come to the the era of when, when I was sort of playing more, and you become more mm. established in, yeah, that, yeah. in that dressing room, so there the was personality our, comes out a bit there more. Was our, there was our group. So yeah. um, J John Williams, Sean yeah. Flynn, Lee Lee Jenkinson, Steve Morgan, yeah. and they're all good mates that mm. I, I still see now, mm. and we, we keep in touch with. And uh, you just we all sort of landed in the first team mm. at the same time. And, and you know, there's, helps, there's yeah. players like Ogg was obviously a, you know a good experienced all to the club. Mm. You know Brian Burrows was there, and you know and then the, the new regime of players coming through. So Dion, Richard Shaw, mm. Paul Williams, um, Liam Daish, You know they yeah. they come in and they bring mm. different things. Mm. But you know. It, it, like I say, it's that, it's that respectful thing. They, you know, I, I just, you know, I've always been managed to get on with, with, with most people. I've, I've never been arrogant enough to go, well, why should I be mates with you or anything mm. like that? I mm. just say, treat others how you want to be treated yourself. Mm. Did you get the famous Peugeot car when you signed? So it took me a while to get the Peugeot car, <laughs> um, and uh, that's where you can see the, cha the the car part will tell you how finances are changing. So when Ron Atkinson came, he didn't want a Peugeot as his company car, so he had a Jag. Then all of the course he did. Then all the and by the way, just on record, I had to clean that. That yeah. was part of my job. <laughs> as I wouldn't a expect YTS. anything else yeah. than the Jag. And then all the players that's, that Ron Atkinson signed, they didn't have the Peugeots. 
So the Persians, we had to pay for them. They weren't, they weren't a precedent was set. And, and then yeah. all of a sudden, I always remember Dave Boas, who I knew we'd both played for Dunlop Terriers. He was a couple of years younger than me, yeah. but we signed him. You know, and then he's coming up in, in, in America. And then overnight, but I've lost it overnight, over about three weeks, our car park changed. So you had half the Peugeots and then the rest were the Mercs, the VMs. And that's where you could see where the, mm. the, the money was changing. And Weirdly, the same thing happened at Leicester City when they signed Mark Draper in 94, you know, when we got promoted to the Premier League. He drove a brand new BMW with a personalised reg. Um, and it started evolving from, mm. you know, your runarounds yeah, to... Yeah. Yeah, the president was set. Yeah, I, lo I loved my Peugeot. They were, yeah, it took me. I had to earn the right to get one though, and you couldn't yeah. have one until you were mm. in the first team, and mm. not just once you've made your debut, you get a Peugeot. Mm. Yeah. Had to go on a waiting list, and yeah. you know. That's so, what car did you rock up in then? I, oh God, you know what? It probably embarrassed me a little bit. I always had, I had an XR3i. Perfect. And, uh, that's an Essex boy race. That's yeah. a boy race. It's yeah. worse yeah. than that. I, I then bought. I think it was the week, uh, not the week. It was. Just after then, I'd had in, when I was working in insurance, just before I signed for Coventry, I'd already bought a car, and I didn't know I was signing for Coventry, right. so that's how I bought it. But I had an XR3i white cabriolet with Wowzers, <laughs> you couldn't make it. But hang on, married, <laughs> with his blonde locks as well. Married at 19, weren't you? Is that correct? Yeah. You, you, yeah. you know, so you have all the sort of uh, outward appearance of someone who's a respectable, steady guy, you know, and driving these archetypal, exactly. I just love that car. While we're on good experiences, and of course it predated your time at Coventry, but it, it seems appropriate to mention, since we were at Coventry's home ground, the, the passing of uh, John Sillett yeah. a couple of, couple of days ago. What's the atmosphere been like around the stadium? Uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm on the former Players Association, and obviously we work closely with the club, so or the amount of tributes that have come through, and, and you know, we've got to remember we lost um, George Curtis earlier in the year, July, mm. August time. So with the two biggest, along with Jimmy Hill, the three biggest influences on Coventry City and mm. who gave them their best times have all, mm. you, know, you know, passed away. And, and, and John had, had not been very well for, you know, the last couple of years, and mm. um, you know, it, it's it's really sad. But it's a, it, it's a. It's a time to remember what he did, and you know, obviously, I, I see people like um, Dave Bennett all the time, and the, and the little stories, the bits you don't mm. hear about mm. um, him, those little little nuggets of, of what he did for those players at that time. You don't realise, do you? No, until, until it's happened, and yeah. it's, obviously, it's, it's like anything. The good parts all seem to come out when a tragedy happens. Yep. You know what I mean? Because I'm picking up things as well. Yeah. I mean, I live in Market Abner, but you're still there. And you, I never met the bloke, to be honest with you. But yeah. like you said, the stuff that he did was incredible well, for, the, I mean, for the club. And, 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 the, and the city in itself. Yeah, it? yeah, I was going to say, the city. And the city the, itself. The stadium. I mean, he, I, was, I was sort of six, seven years old when the Sky Blues won the FA Cup in 1987. And that's when the FA Cup still really meant something. I'm a Leicester fan, Leicester won the yeah. FA Cup first ever time, you know, last May, you know. We'd Charlie, edit that bit out about Leicester <laughs> fan, yeah, mate. Runners up four times, you know, everybody's been desperate to win the FA Cup. To be honest, now it's like, well, does it really mean that much? Mm. But then in 1987, for a club like Coventry City to win the FA Cup was I'll just say, it don't mean, the only people who doesn't mean anything to is the people who've never won it. Mm. I don't care mm. whether it's now, whether it was back then, whether it was 100 years ago. That FA Cup from, from where it starts in non-league, to where it gets to, mm. and 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 Sill and Curtis and that team, um, the way they come up with no real superstars, yeah, mm. you know, yeah. Um, mm. the, yeah. you know the semi-final against Leeds, and you know, I'd say all those players when I joined in '92, 
a lot of that team was still there, you know, yeah. and mm. um, and it was picking up the stories. And I still like through the former players, you still see them all, and you, mm. you know, Benno, it would tell me a different story every week about mm. what they did, the prep before yeah. it, mm. what what John would say to them, and um, him him and George were brilliant. I mean, George, I don't know if George was about the training ground when you were there, but he no. was he was the strongest person. Mm. Um, I've seen him about, but like I said, yeah. I don't and know him. The two of them, were, I think, mm. they're your modern-day yeah. head coach and mm. director of football, mm. you know. Yeah. 30, That's 40 years, well, 50, what is it now? It's been maths, 30, 35 years ago, is it? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, 35 years. Yeah. 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 The bad side then, Mr Boost, what would you say the bad side is with the football? I'm an optimist, there's no bad sides. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it, it's it's life, life experiences. That's what I'm saying, you know, the bad side, I can remember especially in my era, we used to obviously do double session. It was like it was, it was the most hard done by people in the world. <laughs> and you look back now, you know, people are working 10, 12 hours and stuff like that. But we used to whinge at doing two hours in the morning, probably an hour and a half in the afternoon. It's like, how is that a bad side yeah. of football? But people genuinely was gutted. And it's like, you know. It's like anyone. You'd, you'd, and if, I don't think and, they appreciated it, did they? No. And if you, were in the, if, you were in, if you weren't in the first team, you mm. trained more than... Any, anyone, because yeah. you would still come in on a Saturday yeah. and yeah. do your training. You'd still, you'd have a reserve team game and you'd have to prep for that, but you'd only probably get half a day off for that. Mm. If you were then on the periphery of the first team mm. and have to travel with them, you wouldn't get any time off. Mm. Um, and it's like anything, someone asks you to come back in the afternoon when you don't normally. So it was just coming into it then when mm. they were talking about double sessions mm. and, and just coming into it. And, you know, I used to have to pick the kids up from school. So I'll, I'll, whoever, if we're doing a fitness session, with Tim Exeter, mm. remember Tim? Mm. Yeah. Um, I'd be saying to him, I said, look, it takes me half an hour to get back. Uh, my daughter comes out of school at half three. I've got to be away, you know. Mm. And uh, so you used to try and manage that, mm. you know, especially if you were injured, you were yeah. in there even longer, yeah, weren't you? That's it, yeah. you? You know, George and George the Dalton, peer, you say, look, yeah. George, you've got to, you know, you just have a quiet word. They, again, they, they knew the ones that were, that lived close. So mm. they used to have little 15 yeah. minute sections. Yeah, going yeah that's it. So, so obviously uh, the bad, obviously I know we'll, we'll talk about your injury in a bit later on, but did you have, you know, me personally, again, the bad side of football is when I've, I mean, I only was out for six weeks maximum, stuff like that, but I felt I was never a part of the, the, the environment of the group. So for me, I was quite, looking back now, I was quite depressed really, and I probably only had a calf injury for six weeks, but yeah. that for me was a bad side because I was thinking, you know, you, you kind of, the, the gaffer didn't really want to know you did it because you obviously injured players. Yeah. So that for me, it, it was a, not a bad time, because like I say, I've never really had a major injury, but I just never felt a part of it. It, it, it. It's right, you're taking off to a different, mm. not not different world as such, it's a bit dramatic, but, and again, it depends whether it was a short-term, mm. medium-term or long-term injury, and, you know, being with, with being with players, so, you know, I've experienced both. So if you have your, you know, your little yeah. uh, ankle tweak where you're mm. out for two, two, three weeks, a mm. little hamstring, a little calf might be a week, a two week, you go into a different, Thing, and then you've got your rehab to come back. So the worst ones when you used to do your ankle ligaments, you'd have like mm. sort of two, three weeks of treatment, morning, afternoon, mm. and then you'd have your coming back and then your mm. introduction to the reserve games. And then your whole timing changed. So the lads would go out and play. You'd go and have to wait in your mm. queue with everyone else to go and have your ice and statics mm. or whatever your treatment you was having. Then you'd be lunch and then it would be the same in the afternoon. And you are you are taken away from the, yeah. from the main group and they're coming back in of whatever's going on in training or you know, the game at the weekend, you're no longer part of it. That's what I mean, it, you feel yeah. like an outsider, don't you? Yeah. so bad, yeah. And, and then, but then you form your groups. So the ones that are long-term, I mean, with, with, with me, there was always, I always remember Lee Hurst, yeah, Tim yeah. Blake, and, and, and the back end of Stuart Robson, who all, all mm. had knee injuries, mm. and Paul O'Brien, who was a young lad. Yeah, what about Wasby, who was always injured? Yeah, yeah, Jim so they were, 
you, you would get into so whoever was injured, you'd then become a little bubble yeah, with those, and you, mm. your daily routine would be, mm. you know, well, let's go and have a cup of tea yeah. now, let's let's yeah. have, you know, and you, you would form mm. that sort of a relationship, like and that, you, then yeah. you might meet someone, you might get closer to someone you'd not, weren't, mm. might not be in your your group, or yeah. it might be in the reserves coming through or whatever, and you find out a little bit more about mm. them. But you're absolutely quite right, you are you are different. It's like isolated, isn't it, really? Yeah. You're away from it. Yeah, and just, and just, just leading on that, because it links into a little bit of, of when I got injured. So um, I'm not going to gloss over it no. too much, because we, we, you, you, mm. you'll ask me some more direct questions on it. But I took myself away. So for that last year, they could do, the, the George and, and the team that could do nothing for me. I was mm. under um, uh, cons consultants in Manchester, mm. and I couldn't take any more of going into the training ground and watching the players play mm. and it was twofold to that one I couldn't watch that anymore because I just it, yeah. it wasn't my life anymore and two I didn't want to be a reminder to the players mm. of mm. this could finish your career mm. well it's finished my career yeah. mm. this could be you and mm. I didn't want to I didn't want me put in that situation where they might be looking at me going I'm a constant reminder mm. of the worst thing mm. every player mm. uh, dreads yeah, totally right. The ugly side then, what would you say, even modern day now, what would you say the ugly side to football is, going back from your day to present? Got to be social media? It's got to be. The, the, got the be, hate crimes, the, the, race, the racism, the, um, you know, all that side of it. The, still how football just hasn't, hasn't learned over mm. the years. We're still, still can't, I mean, we've got a football club and a rugby club here. You know, if you want to come and watch a rugby game, you can be sat next to whoever you're playing mm. against mm. Uh, with a, a beer in a plastic thing sat in the stands. Mm. You can't do no. football like that. It's no. segregation, it's territorial. And, and we, won't, we won't, that won't change. It's that, I'd like to say it's, got, it's, it, it's getting better. You don't hear so much of, you know, the hooligan fights on the terraces mm. of that anymore, but mm. it still goes on. You're going to be that naive. To so it's gone underground more, yeah. hasn't it? Because, yeah. you know, we People live... push aside on it, really. Yeah, some say we live in a surveillance state. Everything's mm. on camera all the time. Yeah. But... You know, perhaps a lot of the abuse and the aggravation is sort of surreptitious, yeah. you know. And I think prob probably that's just as bad in many ways. And yeah. I mean... But, but at least people, I like to think people don't get caught up in it now. Yeah. Mm. So if, if, those, if those groups of fans, whoever they are, want to meet yeah. up on the side to be, oh yeah, yeah. we did you, this to you and all that. The, the people who are doing it, anyway, that, you know, we don't want it to be, but they'll take it away. Well, I must admit, the, the grounds are a lot. F yeah. So you don't yeah. see any fighting in the ground. You'll yeah. see little bits, and you know, yeah. now and again. But there's that many police and stewards yeah. and, yeah. and things like I, that. I, I must admit, um, as a football fan, I remember even in the uh, what 2000 when we played Villa in the League Cup, the year we won the League Cup, uh, massive groups of Aston Villa fans waiting for Leicester fans outside mm. the stadium. I don't think you get that now. No. You know, they're all tooled up and whatever. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you get that anymore. No, you know, like you say, there's cameras everywhere and, and things like that. Yeah. But I think the social media side of it has, has not, and I still think they've still got to do a hell of a lot more to mm. stop these. I mean, you just look at what happened in the, in the Euros with, you know, after the penalty shootout. I mean, that's just, that's just that shouldn't happen. That, no. should, that should be stopped straight away mm. and, and removed and people barred. And there should be more, for people signing up to these accounts, you, you, you've got to be more, you know, give your passport details. Well, Troy Deeney said that. Something, yeah, you know, absolutely. Something that, something yeah. that ties you to yeah. it. And, and that needs yeah. to change from, the, from, from, from them. And, and, and surely it's incumbent on these social media companies, you know, that seem to run the world, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, mm. that they've got all the power. Just make it more... Mm. 
transparent. Be a, be a flick of a button somewhere. Yeah. It'll be a tick exactly. box, right? Yeah. Anything. As Troy Deeney said, hand over your driving licence, birth certificate, whatever yeah. it is, you'll get some form of accreditation. It might be a tick, it might be... And it would stamp it out overnight because it, this trolling... Is, yeah. it, it causes the, societal damage as well as... The, the keyboard warriors, yeah. the people, they wouldn't... Yeah. You put those two people together, I'm not saying they don't, but they would not say a word. No. Well, I've got, over I've got, a keyboard yeah. where there's no, an, an anonymity is, is, is there, nobody can see them. They can say what they want. And mm. it's, yeah. I mean, I've got a story, this is gospel truth. So I've got a couple on social media, probably, I don't know, say eight, eight, nine years ago. I can't remember where I was. I, I must have lost, I was a manager or something. I've lost two or three games. And he's like, this hammering me, absolutely hammering me. You can't, uh, me personally, I don't like to bite back. You just listen to it. Anyway, I was shopping with a family in Milton Keynes, and I promise you now, the, the, the two lads was there. I just went over and oh, it just banter, banter. It's got, all of a sudden it just dropped. So that, that, back then I was thinking, well, the keyboard warrior side of things, they obviously clearly are exactly that what it says on the tin. Yeah. Because they literally didn't know what to say to me, they left straight away. I wasn't rude or anything, I just went, look, I'm human, I've got my family. There, they're going. Oh, it was just banter, banter, and it yeah. all comes down to that banter. But it's not banter, they is don't, it? Because they don't know. The They've just been found out. Because they don't know the personal mm. side of it, of either side of it, which is why they can have a go at it. But when they go, well, you know, actually, never realised mm. he, he, he was married. He's got kids. It affects everything, doesn't it? And, it's a knock on the and, effect, and, and, it? and it works the other way as well. Yeah. He, he goes, you know, why, why are you that frustrated? And he goes, well, I was frustrated because of the result, and you know, it's that communication yeah. which mm. starts to. But look at the societal damage that all of this trolling has caused oh. as well. The tension, the, you know, racial tension, whatever it might be, in wider society. I mean, it, they are responsible for a lot of damage. Yeah, it, they've created the platforms and not realised the damage that it could do. And, yeah. and the worst ones for me, obviously, racism, hate crimes, all of that are absolutely disgusting. But mm. the, the ones where the, these young people are taking their lives and people are egging yeah. them on yeah. to do that through whatever imperfections they think they have. And it comes into that whole mental health and well-being. That's just so it's a mm. real double you know, double-edged sword. sword it's, it's, yeah. And it can be yeah. It can be such a great yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. you know, the work I do at the moment as a charity, it's a great way of, of, of informing people what we do, celebrating what we do. You know, you look at these pictures around this room. These are mm. all from you know, mm. things the club and the community. You, mm. you know, that one down there. That's what it's for, not not the the, the, the yeah. other stuff. So that's the ugly side yeah. of. And that's not just football, by the way. No, that's just in. in, yeah. in in the world itself. Yeah. So obviously when you was playing there, did you ever get any supporters on your back as a group or as, as obviously an individual like yourself? You know, you know, Coventry maybe had a little bit of a spell where nothing really went too good. Did you ever hear anybody come up to you or from the stands? Um, did it affect you if it did or? I didn't, to be honest, I'd have to... I'd have to write a letter. He'd have to arrive in the post. He'd mm. have to. No, I'd you know have to, I mean? like to get. The, yeah, I know. On the right. terraces, you know. You know. When you get off the team coach, you know what I mean. It's yeah, like. It, it, I, I, I didn't experience no. it. You, you know, you, you played with the, the crowd. You, you can hear whether they're dis disappointed or if you, you mm. if you come up. But I, you know, you, you, you block it out. For mm. me, I blocked it out. I was, you know, if, if there's that many people, you can't understand. Mm. You know, and, and again, it, it, it's frustrating or things like that. Most of the time. You know, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. You knew from yourself you had a particularly yeah. bad game. If, the, yeah, you if you'd been, I've been pulled off at half time in the first team game yeah. by uh, Bobby Gould, and I'm mm. sure the fans were probably booing as I was going mm. off. But twice I wasn't mm. wasn't thinking about mm. that. And, and how do people receive you now? Let's say in Coventry or wherever, or just in, in if someone bumps into you in the street, I, I would like to think they remember. I mean, I've worked for the charity now for 25 years, yeah. and obviously the injury that I had. And how it was taken in by the Coventry people, and I'm a yeah. I'm a bummy, yeah. you know. And um, you know, my my 
social media has adopted convention mm. and you know and I'd like to think the, the work that I, I do and go out my way to help the, the, the and, and have done this isn't just now this is through through the time mm. and yeah. and through the injury you know it's a it's a two-way thing and you know it's again as I said right at the start it's treat others how you'd want to be treated yourself so if someone if I walk across to get me lunch today and someone wants to talk to me about Bournemouth mm. I'll, I'll have a conversation mm. with them whether it's five minutes ten minutes you yeah know. brilliant the highs then Mr. Boost, the highs of your career. Tell me about your debut. How excited was you? Did you get thrown in? Did you know 24 hours, 48 hours before the game? It was weird, and it's about probably being in the right place or the wrong place, depending on what you look at it. So we played a reserve game. Coventry uh, drew with Norwich in the FA Cup on the Saturday. Mm. We had a reserve game on the... Monday, I think it was. We were travelling. The first team were travelling for the double header because they got the replay on the Wednesday night, right. and they got the league match against Norwich on the following Saturday. Mm. So the lads were going down for a three, four day trip. So we've we've been absolutely useless in the um, in in the in the reserve game. Mm. And uh, I can't remember the uh, Hay Roberts. I think it might yeah, have been. Yeah. He'd come in and absolutely hammered us. You know. Experience pro, we'd, we'd lost, I can't yeah. remember what it was. You forget, always forget the losses, don't you? Yeah. Um, but Jed, Pete Beeling, who's played alongside me that time, he's um, it noticed that the um, Bobby Gould's come in the first, come in the dressing room and had a word with H, and then they've come back into the room. And this is where you talk about experience. So Jed was probably on his way out um, then, playing reserve football. And all of a sudden he goes, uh, George, I've uh, got a bit of a strain with me um, calf. So you've got a nice pack. Oh, that's so he puts his ice pack on, and then H comes in and goes, right, we need, some, uh, we need a couple of bodies for the um, trip to, to Norwich. So straight away, he's clocked and realised, and, and mm. he was at this stage then, he probably, I don't know whether you mind me saying it or not, but he didn't want to just go down there for a four-day mm. trip, being away overnight, not realistically going to play like that. And he was looking around, he goes, right, we need another centre-half cover. I was sat next to Pete. Right, Brilliant. you Steve, bring your stuff, you're travelling to Norwich next so for me it was great mm. I mean the first time I'm in the mm. squad mm. Um, going down for four days was staying at some hotel down in Norway oh, it was, it was like, brilliant mm. um, and I, I was put on the bench for the, um, the FA Cup game so again absolutely brilliant we, we lost the, the cup match Lloyd McGrath came off in about the 91st minute with a, an injury or something I went on for a minute mm. um, I think I ran on the pitch and ran off mm. it was that but <laughs> to be part of it and it Perfect, was, only, it was yeah. only the couple of subs mm. it might be one or two subs used up yeah. then yeah. And maybe a goalkeeper mm. um, and then on the Saturday um, I was uh, rooming with Andy Pearce um, he hadn't had a particularly great great game um, I think Bob had made it clear in training that he was a sort of scapegoat for it and then I got a call on the Friday after we trained you're starting tomorrow um, Get a good night's sleep. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. It was like then you're, you know, phoning the family. Then yeah. you've got to travel down to Norwich. You know, you you're then turning up. You know, knowing that you're playing. Mm. To me, I'd probably have just preferred if they told me on the day, not mm. not the night before. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, it's time to think well. in it. Um, and we played. Obviously, we played played Norwich, and uh, I think Chris Sutton was playing for Norwich then, and um, and we drew. I think we drew one-one. But the, the thing for me was that we were on match of the day on the night, and oh, I was in a pub in Kings Heath with. Fence family, yeah. and 
on big, I'll say big screen, I'm talking about the big TVs mm. that go back that yeah. way, he was yeah. in the corner yeah, of the yeah, screen. Yeah. Match the day comes on, our game comes on, and, and there you are. So going back with Chris Sutton, now, he would have known that you would have been making your debut. Did he automatically draw towards you to try and bully you or? I don't know. Because because he was. Can you remember much about your debut? Yeah, um, no, no. It's, it, you don't know, do you? It goes back quick. And, uh, and I th I'd like to think that I think I think Grant. He seemed to ring a bell. I think he was playing. He was the more experienced player because mm. um, obviously yeah, Sutton yeah. went on and did mm. very well at Norwich. Then went to Blackburn mm. and obviously I went on to play against Sutton at Blackburn. Yeah. Um, and I, you know I couldn't even tell you who I played alongside. I, I guess it was Peter Peter Atherton, mm. but you know. You just you play the game, you get through it, and you you know, and then you judge by if you're in the squad for the next one. Mm. And then for the next three months, uh, till the end of the season, I think I played 12 games. Right. Was on the bench for quite a few games, mm. and you know, thought I'd made it then. Mm. Mm. It's interesting speaking about hearing about your the highs that you had because obviously, you know, you're known for the most illustrative injury in the Premier League history, probably. But to a lot of football fans, you know, sort of our age, Scott, you were becoming an established centre-back, you know, and were known for being a decent player. And at my school, you were, you were quite famous before the injury. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because there's a couple of Blackburn Rovers fans. Of course, Blackburn were the defending champions in 1995. You know, a lot of newbies to football adopted Blackburn because they were great and they had the Jack Walker money. But um, Cov did Blackburn 5-0 and you scored the opener, I think. Um, and this, this lad, this one particular lad I know is a Blackburn Rovers fan, everyone was <laughs> shouting David Buss every time they saw him. David Buss, David Buss, you know, chanting David Buss then. So you, you, certainly in Leicester, in, in one particular school, you were very well known. So was that your first goal then? It, it wasn't, no. I'd, um... Scored against Wimbledon, didn't you, before yeah, the opener? Yeah, so the 94-95 so the season, um, the first part of the season was when I was, I was talking earlier about yeah. Phil Neal and he, mm. Bobby had left and Phil Neal took over. So I started every single game from the beginning right up to about Christmas and I ended up just after Christmas, I had a double hernia. So I missed then the next six months because right. I couldn't, because the two hernia, I mean, I talk about, I've, I've never got that injured that much, mm. but significant ones are the, the double hernia which they didn't detect at the same time so I had right. to spend three months out with one wow. and then the season was over and again when Ron Atkinson came into me and you talk about managers earlier mm. it goes you, the, the first thing I, when I worked, met Ron Atkinson was walking in the going past each other mm. in the tunnel at Brighton and he went Dave Buse I went yeah you're no use to me while you're injured and carried on walking <laughs> and that's exactly how it was, and, uh, it was you bizarre. can't imagine that now bizarre. can you no, bizarre. it depends but they want to have a conversation mm. with a bit of banter Ron was that sort of character yeah, oh, he's a good, yeah bubbly character yeah, you know. so your first goal then was it against yep. Wimbledon so we started that game we played Wimbledon I just literally signed the two year contract on the Thursday before mm. we were there and I was, I was starting and um, you know it couldn't beautiful sunny day we were 1-0 down um, I think it was the second half was it in front of the and you West, started this, West this game. Started yeah. that game. I, yeah. I went on to start every game mm. up until oh, right. Christmas. So, so those go those goals because you scored five in total, yeah. didn't you? They, they must have been. I mean, you know, I'll never know what it's like scoring a goal. You certainly won't, Scott. Not in the Premier League, mate. <laughs> but it, 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 it must have been incredible highs as well. It, oh, it's been that 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 free kicks. Morgs had, had took um, a, a curling left foot, and and I, it was just a diving header from about. You know, I wouldn't say 20 yards out, but it was probably about 12. Yeah. But it was, you know, we drew 1-1. It was my first goal. You know, went off 
celebrating. I remember Mickey Quinn sort of saying to the ref, first goal, you know, because I, I don't know what I was doing. Mm. I think looking at the clips you see, it was, I was doing nothing, it's embarrassing. Um, but it's just, you know, and then you see that goal on, man, on match of the day and it's... Mm. No, and, yeah, the high, and any goal you score is brilliant, honestly. So didn't you go out after that game or did you purposely stay in and watch match a day to yeah. actually watch your goal back? Because you, you do though, don't yeah. you? Well, I wouldn't know. Neither me personally, you. I'd, have got, you, mate. I'd have got absolutely <laughs> blathered and taped match of the day back in the day. But <laughs> I th I th you know what, I can't remember. I'm the same, I can't honestly. remember where I'll, we went. I'll prompt, yeah. We were saying in the car, because we're talking about the highs, that, that because the Premier League's official website has it down that you're Scottish, so we might, or you might need to have a word with him about that. So we were going, hang on, prior to the injury, you know, he's playing for a lower, lower to mid-table Premier League side. Predominantly, most of the centre-halves in that era are British. But the Scotland squad wasn't particularly blessed with depth. Of course, we had Colin Hendry, who was a, you know, Premier League winner. Colin Calderwood, I think. Yeah. But after that, it was like Derek White and a few quite obscure centre-backs in the squad. Well, surely David Book must have had one there. eye on the Euro 96 squad. So let's just say you had a Scottish granny, right? Just say, would you have stopped Gaza if you'd have played? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. Would, would, do you think in your own ability you'd have got into that Scottish squad? I would. I, I, I'll Me be honest, I never even thought about international football. Did you never, 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 never on mind. my radar or thinking anything of it. The, the only time I'd, I'd, did think about it. it was when Liam Daish got in the Irish squad yeah. when he was playing for Birmingham City who were mm. in League the th League Two were yeah. they? Yeah. Maybe League One. Premier League Championship. Yeah, League One. League One. And I, I, I then thought, oh, because Phil Babb was in the Irish mm. squad mm. as well. Yeah. Um, it was and had a great, as well. you know, really America, well. was it '94 America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. so that's in that, and, and 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 just seeing when you see a player from lower down yeah. getting in it, you know, when my mum was Irish and. Uh, yeah. You know, I think she might have wrote a letter to Jack Charlton, I think, was, you know, or something. But, you know, it was around that time, like, say, 94. I hadn't, I hadn't, I'd only just got in the, in the Cov side, mm. you know, around yeah. when, when that was happening. So before then, I was, I'd had what? a year where I, I hadn't played in the first Cra year. Crazier yeah. things yeah. happened. So, like, in the... Uh, Matt Elliott signed for Leicester, a com direct comparison, of course, from Oxford, in, I think, 97, for 1.6 million. Big signing. And they found a Scottish granny for him. And he got in the Scotland squad in 1998, mm. you know, and hung around the Premier League as a bloody good centre-back as well for years and years and years. So I think, you know, some, particularly with centre-backs and centre-forwards, conversely, I think that you've always got half a chance of nicking into mm. an international squad if you have a good run of form. And you were certainly, in the season you got injured, yes, Kovs shipped a lot of goals, you know, and you stayed up on goal difference, but... You, 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 put, you yourself were reading through some of the, the match reports and, and whatever, were making a bit of a name for yourself as, as a, as a centre-back. You're doing quite well. Me, obviously, I've watched a lot of the games, obviously. Me, personally, watching that, you was always a steady seven. Always. Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? You, you didn't particularly have a really bad game. I mean, you was just a very good... Yeah. One of the first on the team sheet yeah. for me type of player. And players. that's what you want. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what you want. So oh. that, for me, would have got you in some kind yeah. of just international a, just squad. A, I was always an honest player. Yeah. So... I, I was always, I'd always been told, work hard, regardless of how bad you're playing, mm. you can still run around Mark and things like that. And nobody, no matter how good they are in the team, skillfully-wise mm. or anything like that, you can still run around and Mark and mm. work hard. And, mm. and, and, and that's what the sporters want. And that's what they got from me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'd put my head where it got hurt, I'd put my foot where it got mm. hurt, I would mm. run until you know, the cows come home. 
and that's what I, and there was quite a lot of honest players mm. and that's what that, again I, I come back to your, your your moles and how you're brought up and and how no, that's true. Uh, you know your, your, your values that you you mm. lead your own life on and on and off the pitch as well yeah it's brilliant well we know I think what the laws are going to be um, it's just I, I can remember obviously what is it 96 was it in yep. November December time was it April? April. Oh, was it April? Say, it was April. Oh, was it April? Done your homework, Scott. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Look, I mean, he's got the thingy there. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm a part of that. But I'm a part of that squad. Of, you know what I mean? But I can remember, it was just, it was horrendous. I mean, obviously, you obviously went through it, but all my age group was like, but I don't think we actually realised how bad it actually was at the time. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, you, I think you said, you've got a quote saying, you know, what I'm going to do, at, you know, this is my end, but... You shouting over to the to the bench when you're on the stretcher. This is the end. I said to Gordon Strachan as we were going off through the tunnel at Man United. I said that's it now, isn't it? Because I just thought then I had a broken leg. I didn't know the complete damage of it. Because I can remember we was chatting as a youth team and we're thinking, you know, obviously we've seen it then and we're thinking, oh my god, it's horrendous. But like I said, we was only 16, 17 at the time, so we kind of didn't realise. And this is just us thinking he's got a chance of coming back. But then obviously, well. Well, it happened. It's that that weekend happened. So it started before then because we played Liverpool on the Saturday and beat them at Highfield Road. Um, Noel had, I can't remember if it was two one or one nil, but Noel had, a ball had been played behind him and he didn't sort of an overhead. Yeah. High, it was a hard to reach mm. shot and he, and he put it in and we won that. So we knew we had a big double header yeah. that weekend, you know, because we were, still needed a few results to stay up. So we were all buzzing after beating mm. Liverpool at, at, at home, and then you know the gaffers making the same starting eleven. Um, for the game at Old Trafford, and then you know, you, you know, you, you know, you know, I'm looking at their team sheet and thinking, God, I'm playing against every Cantona, mm. and then the whole prep of you know travelling up there on the Sunday. I can't, I can't even remember whether we stayed overnight or whether we went up there on the coach. Mm. <laughs> details like that. I just, mm. I would imagine we went on the coach on the day because it was Bank Holiday Monday. Right. And um, what in November? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had a big coat on. It was cold. <laughs> um, and so we, uh, I mean, Old, Old Trafford's just, you know, the, the stadium's unbelievable. Um, and the Cov, Cov fans, they, they hadn't built their, finished their, I think it's 75,000 mm. now. I mm. think their capacity was down to about 56 because mm. they hadn't had that last one. And Coventry had got a small band of about 2,000, which when you come out of the changing rooms at Old Trafford, I don't even know which, what end it is, um, it's on the diagonal in the corner. That's it. Cobb fans are in the opposite one. So you go out and do mm. your warm-up, you head straight for them, mm. you're a little band of 2,000 yeah. Cobb fans. You know, because that's your moment of solace in this yeah, massive yeah, yeah. stadium. Mm. So you do your warm-up in front of them and, uh, you know, you have no look at them doing their warm-up, you look at their players. But I was, I was never, I, I, was, I knew who players were, but I was never starstruck to go, mm. oh my God, calling mm. the headlights on them throws or anything like that. Um, it was just like, what's our, this is our game plan. Let's just prepare like we normally do and, mm. and, and we go on it. And we started off really well. We had a corner after, after a minute. So we had set pieces for corners. Um, but I just remember, as we got our corner, I always remember, and maybe this may, might be afterwards, probably not at the time, but I was stood next to Eric Cantona for probably about 30 seconds, mm. you know, because he'd, he'd stayed up, we'd gone on the attack, got a corner, I was marking him, and um, in the theatre of dreams, and that's, that's what it was, because Eric Cantona was obviously mm. such an icon, yeah. um, then, still is now. Um, and we had a corner, so um, corner came over, flicked on at the near post, because I think we were doing number three, um, by Noel Whelan, my job was to come at the far post and then any, any bits that dropped, get something on the end of mm. it, head, foot, anything. And the ball dropped absolutely perfectly. 
saw it, went steaming in to get to get it to try and toe poke it because it was that sort of mm. at the end of a reach. And then, um, and again, some of these memories aren't memories of actually what happened. They're things that from pictures like that might have, have gone in. But I was in my eye, in my head. Denny Soames on the post there, so he's mm. on the post there. He's coming off the post there to block the ball that's dropping here. Mm. And he's coming in with his, his foot to do a block, block, yep. block yep. challenge. Brian McClare was on the that, other yeah. side of me coming back that way to try and slide in and, and get the ball that's landing mm. there. I'm coming from here to get there. So there's three forces get coming t towards it. I'm, I go in and get the ball. And you're fully committed, obviously. Yeah. Mm. They're coming in from either side at the exact same time. If one of them had been delayed slightly by the other, I'd probably have a damaged knee or something. They both hit me at the same time. And when two forces, I don't know if you're any good at physics, but when two forces come together and you've got a, an immovable object, there's only one thing can happen, yeah. and that's combustion, and it'll break. There's double compound fracture. Double compound fracture. So my foot went to that, that way from the halfway down machine up to there. So L-shaped. Yeah. More or less. Uh, at that stage, I've just gone into. I can only remember shock. being shocked. I yeah. was looking away. Um, I always see a picture of Dion Dublin with his hand on yeah, his I've head, going that, like yeah. that. Um, and then I'm, um, and brilliant. You know, George Dalton's. You know, that was was our physio on the mm. day. Man United had um, their physio. There was a there was a doctor on the side. They all came on. So if you're going to break your leg, you break it at Old Trafford because mm. everything's everything's there. Um, straight into the back of the ambulance. The ambulance reversed down on, more or less to the to the pitch. And it was going on the on the on the uh, stretcher then, where Gordon had come down to just you know see how it was, because uh, I had family in, the, in there as well, um, and that's when I said, oh that's it now, thinking I just had a broken leg. But the most painful thing was obviously the, the injury, the the impact of the injury. But man, Man United have got the biggest speed bumps outside <laughs> and loads of them. So yeah. trying to get out of Old Trafford oh, to the thingy yeah. and Every they were just bang, bump. bang, yeah. bang, bang. Yeah. I remember every single one of them, and that was really, really painful. So going to, um, I think it was Good Hope Hospital, it was. Um, they're going to reset, try and reset the, uh, the the blade, put it straight, and find out what the damage is and things like that. I never forget, just about to go under, and the uh, one of their porters came running down, and Man United had just scored, so they were one one nil, and he's jumping up and down, and this was like two seconds. They, they just cut the sock off my. Took my boot off and all that. Tell him inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. I understand. It's, it's it's football, but I just saw that. That was the last thing. I thought, oh shit, we. Oh, shouldn't swear. I thought we, obviously we and we lost one nil. Um, and then, you know, the, the the rest depending on how much detail you want. The at the time, um, the the media reported it extensively, but didn't show, as my memory serves, all of the graphic images. Yeah. For a couple of days, maybe two or three days, you know, at least, did you, when were you aware of just how severe it was with sort of the, the, the bone sticking out? I didn't see a picture, a media picture for six months because I couldn't, I didn't want to look at any, any pictures or anything. And obviously there was a lot of, there was a lot of press um, constantly for, initially for the first six weeks. And then it was every you know, I was, I was, for the next year, I was going everywhere doing interviews on breakfast TV, big breakfast. You know, I was doing, I was doing one, most weeks, I was doing an interview of something mm. with someone, and that became my life and got me through the next mm. sort, of, sort of 12 months. Psychologically, you mean it got, you, got yeah. you through? Yeah, yeah. It, it just gave me, obviously, I was having treatment, I had to carry on having treatment. So within the first 12 days of being in hospital, I had, to, I had 10 operations. Now, 
the when you talk about when did I realise the severity of it was after the initial operation where they'd sort of re reset it and put me in a back slab, um, to hold my, my foot up like that and, and the leg there. Um, I then had to, all of a sudden, I had this massive pain in my, like, it was like a throbbing, and I just kept saying, my, my dad had, had stayed overnight, I said, look, it's not, it doesn't feel right, and they're saying, oh, look, you, you know, you've, you broke your leg pretty badly, it'll be, so. I said, no, I said, it, my toes shouldn't be throbbing like that, mm. it, it, and it's way too much pain, and I was just saying, look, is it too tight, have you wrapped it too tight, and anything like that, and then they, they, they got the doctor in and said, when they looked at it, and they went, oh, yeah, you know, we'll see what you mean, and what had happened was, the impact on the right there, on the right side of the machine, it was like, they call it a hematoma, it's a dead leg. Mm. So it'd been hit that hard, that, that muscle was beginning to expand because of the build-up of the pressure of the blood. And I was whisked to a plastic surgeon um, on the other side of Manchester because I needed a different type of consultant mm. uh, surgeon to, to correct this. And what they did in the end was they cut, they cut down, I mean, Scott, you've seen it, I don't mind yeah. showing you. I don't mind showing anyone, to be honest. That muscle there, Try and get this if you can. I'd got, that's the top of it, that's, that's left there, but the rest of it, they had to cut it to release the pressure. So all the operations I just told you about were because of this then got wow. infected, because I got MRSA uh, hospital, yeah, yeah. and then it, this wouldn't heal in the wound, which was there. So that's the break where it came through. Yeah, so that oh. used to be my, on the back of my calf, that's to create a blood supply to the wound, which is why they took it off there. And I had skin grafts from the hip, which were put onto there to wow. correct that. So psychologically then, if we just go back a second, when you've suffered this break and you know it's a really bad break, but presumably people are keeping the full horrors from you just for your benefit. Are you thinking this is the end of, you're saying this, you know, this is the end of my career, I'm finished, I'm finished. What's going through your head, like financial future, are you worried about that or is it the fact that you're, the glory that you, the glories no, you might miss out on? So when I was on the stretcher, I was just thinking, that's it now from a playing at the highest mm. level. Because yeah. I was thinking, it's a, it's a leg break then. Yeah. When I went into hospital and, when, and having that many operations in the first few weeks and being told that my, if the next operation isn't successful, we'll be cutting your limb from below the knee, then it, the rest of football, football goes out the window. Yes. It's about yeah. then, right, quality of life. It's yeah. about what am I going to do next? It's, mm -hmm. you know, but I, 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 I was, I've always, footballers are very resilient. In the, in the nature of the football industry of either being dropped or being injured or anything like that, you, you've got to be able to take the, the knocks. Mm. Some player, not every single player, but to be a professional footballer, you've got to be resilient to mm. things like injuries being dropped, how it affects you, how you come mm. back from it and things like that. So. You know, I was, I'm always on that thing, right, I can't, can't worry about what's gone on before it, can't control that, can't do anything about it. What I can do is control of what goes, what happens in the future. Mm, yeah. So, you know, and obviously being a, a footballer, you're obviously very fit, so being able to go through all those operations in the first 12 days, mm. the only reason, way I could do it would be a professional footballer or a professional athlete because they're fit enough to mm. undergo all the mm. anaesthetics and things like that and recover mm. from it. So they were all recovery models that had to be done to get me back to, at that stage, and I probably knew myself that the extent of the, the, the injury, because when that exploded there, if it had just been the brake, the brake knits together, it repairs us. Because clean. it was, it's coming off. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, well, if it comes out of the skin, it's not clean. If it stays in contact, so when people talk, refer me to broken legs now, mm. the first yeah. thing I say, right, is it, did it stay within the skin or 
as it come out of the skin because it's yeah. key to key things because if it stays within the skin it's protected and it's because there's no infection can get in so yeah. that's the biggest thing that can happen if it comes out then you've got to worry about infection yeah mine was infection um that got in not the actual break mm. but into the mm. sort of the secondary injury that i had and the thing that stopped me playing was the that muscle there so if you look at your hand yeah, yeah. they're your tendons they're pulled together so if you do do that mm. you feel the muscle yeah. moving in your arm yeah. that muscle is equivalent to that in my chin so right. so no longer could i pick my foot up because that muscle has, has gone so i'm left with a drop foot regardless yeah. of whether I've, this is a broken open compound spiral because that's my fracture was was about yeah. six different ones on the the types yeah. of fractures you can have mm. So it's left like that, so I can't pick it up. So that's what stopped me playing football. But I didn't know, that wasn't confirmed until six months after the actual injury. But I knew after, yeah. I probably knew after about three or four weeks in hospital, because when you have that conversation where they're talking about... The undertones of what yeah. the professionals are saying and all the rest of yeah. it. And it's interesting you touched upon the, the fear of amputation, or half amputation, should I say, um, previously. Um, because if it had occurred, say, 20 years prior, yeah. that would have been a likely outcome, am I right in thinking? Yeah, definitely would have, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person or anything, but I got, on the afternoon, I was going in and they said, right, you'll wake up and it'll be one of two ways. If you're in an oxygen tent, you're in intensive care and we've removed the, um, the shin from below the knee because we can't, the, the infection. You'll have a, an epidural because that will help with, with, with the pain and everything like that. And you'll be, you probably can't, won't, you won't be able to move much at all. Because they were taking um, a muscle out of my back to try and create another blood supply. And these were all the things that were, were going to be involved in it all. So they're, they're basically telling me, when you wake up, this, you'll have this or that. And, and when I did wake up, and the pastor from the, the hospital had come to see me and just, just done, a, done a prayer. And again, I'm not, I'm not, mm. I'm not religious. Mm. Um, Went down for the operation, came round, I was woke up in the room, I was in the same room as when I'd gone down, got no, nothing around me, got a big pain in my back from the epidural. Um, but I thought, look down, there's me, there's me leg. Then obviously the, when they see you coming round, the nurse, mm. nurses and, the, and the, um, the senior nurse came in and I went, and, and you know, you get, you get to know, I was having, you know, I wasn't in intensive care, but I had constant, you know, nurses checking on me every half an hour and stuff like that. And the, and the guy came in to me and said, oh, brilliant news. We, as we took all the uh, dressing off to have a look, it started showing signs of healing. So we left it. Great. And, oh. and, that, was, and that was the most brilliant piece of news mm. that I could have had because my thoughts going into that were, well, God, how am I going to walk again? How am I going to run again? How You're am I going to be able to... Man. Yeah, how yeah. am I going to run about with my, yeah. my, my, my kids? kids? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. to be told that. So football goes, yeah. went out the window. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, when no, you get... No when you expect it, the nearest comparison really i suppose in the era where you suffered the injury was that of luke nillis uh ex aston villa uh, or was playing for aston villa i think yeah. against ipswich again at the first few minutes of the game he collided with richard wright yeah, the ipswich it. goalkeeper and um jim walker i interviewed him on on the uh on on the matter and Jim Walker was the physio at Villa at the time and everything you've just said is what Nillis was saying as well you know my career's finished but then he's thinking actually you know am I going to walk again and he said look you know 10-15 years before it's a magic sponge at best and you know maybe before that you might lose lose yeah. part of your leg yeah it's just 
It's just manning it. Cause I, to be fair, I didn't even know about the amputation or the possible amputation. That's the first time yeah. I've known about that, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, obviously, you must have had so many dark days um, thinking about it. I mean, it's it's a weird one, really, isn't it? Because one, you've got your two legs, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like your football career, which we said, you know, it's, it's irrelevant, really. But it, there must have been that element where you must have been so... Did you get help? You know what I mean. Was there any any way that people, you know, sat you down and just said, "Look, you know, do you have counselling?" You know, it must have been so hard. I mean, it was us as for teammates. It was, it was distraught, to be honest. It was, as I say, I've I've always been in a half glass full optimist, looking out, looking ahead, not mm. looking back, and and I, I still. I'd have days when I'd get I'd be down mm. because it was you know and, and usually like when I talked about the attention so from the press people wanting to interview mm. me and then after after twelve months that goes and I'm still having operations up mm. to two years afterwards you know all about re rehabbing and trying to get a better quality of life and that, that one of the operations I had was to pull that tendon the thickest tendon which I still had I had one two left of the five, three were removed, but that allowed me to hold my foot in that position. And mm. that was the most successful, which allows me to run about, mm. kick a ball again and all that. So um, all those subsidiary operations were there to improve my, my quality of life. But, you know, I just always looked at it. I was going, right, I wouldn't go back and change a thing. I'd had five years playing at the, at the top. Mm. It's then, right, what do I do now? What can I do while I'm in rehab that will help me to go on to my mm. next stage? Um, and as it was, I started doing my coaching qualifications. And, um, and, and I went back to college for a year to do a sports, some sort of sports injury course. I did it for a year. And then I got a job back at, 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 in the community with Barry Powell. So mm. Barry Powell's always been a big um, key part of my, my life, still is. And, um, but I've always been... So I never had, I never had counselling with anyone. Mm. I, I was, I was offered it. Um, we were having the sports scientists were coming into a, into the training ground then, and um, uh, Bobby Gord was a big believer in, in, in getting them to sit down and have a chat with you. But I was never, I was never comfortable with it. Mm. You know, I just didn't feel that I needed to talk to, to other people. I always had a big, um, was that? No, it's not. Um, I always had a good support network behind me with, with family and, mm. and friends and, and all that, and they're, they're key, and, and teammates to a, to a certain extent, because mm. as I told you earlier, I had to take myself away from going into training and pretending I'm still part of that mm. life and mm. knowing, mm. and the reminder what I was to players of what could happen, So, which is why I went and did my coaching badges and I went to college from, I think it was 97 to 98. So mm. obviously you've forged a good career working at Cov, you know, as in, in the community role that you've got. But if you don't mind my asking, um, and we touched on it earlier, didn't we? Everybody assumes Premier League, huge mansions, you're set for life, multi-millions and all the rest of it. What was the, was there an insurance payout? Did the club? You know, was you in every, you know, obviously I know this is a massive personal question, but was it ever a worry that you financially could be a little bit, you know, Kind of struggling, I suppose, in some respects. But so the club gave me another year. Oh, did uh, they really? Yeah, I'm I didn't a, know I'm that. A contract. Oh, right. So from not, I was out of contract at ninety six. Right. So when we were talking before, I was talking to Ron Atkinson about a new new deal. But as it was, I'd have been one of the first Bosmans. Oh, um, right. So I, I, I'm not saying I was in mm. that type, but I could have gone anywhere. Right age, for free, available for, for free. free. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, 
So, so that's, that, that was the situation. I was out of contract. So the club gave me another year's contract to um, get over. It was just exactly the same contract I'd signed mm. in the film now, um, which was for, for another year. Um, and then what the club and Man United had done was arrange a benefit game for me the following year on the 16th of May. And, and that was un unbelievable because there was yeah. 23,000 people turned what up. We just stayed up on the Saturday mm. against Spurs. I think we beat Spurs at, at White Hart yeah, Lane 3-1 yeah. to mm. stay up. And my, one of my closest friends, Paul Williams, and we had a few Paul Williams at Coventry, yeah. um, he scored the, um, one of the goals at, at, at um, White Hart Lane. And on the Monday, they were queuing around Highfield Road and the, all the tickets were sold out by the Tuesday. The game was on the Friday and it was the first time ever that a testimonial match had sold out in advance because most testimonials are turn up on the day, pay your cash over the other thing. So, you know, Man United had brought a full team down, Cantona had come down Gaza. with it. Yeah, we had George Best was mm. there. Um, it was, you know, it was just a, a magical, brilliant night. Bruce, I'm going to tell you something, I cried on that night. <laughs> I genuinely did. I was so, I was, I was so pleased for you. But so upset, and I genuinely, you asked John Andrews, I literally cried. Yeah. I was absolutely devastated, honestly. Well, it was such it was an emotion, emotional night, and you know, I'd come on the pitch, I'd just got a penalty. Flash Michael, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. it, was, uh, it was good. And, was and that, that planned that he went that way and you scored that way? Was it, it planned? It was planned with Schmeichel, but yeah. Schmeichel got took off. And Van der Gau, yeah, that's off. Did Gau Neville, was that planned? That's, yeah, he, he so took he, someone well, out. If you look at if, if you see the highlight, yeah. Gary Neville agreed to foul somebody. Well, well no. Wow. Yeah, he, jumped, he jumped up and hit the ball. Mm. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Is that handball? Was it yeah. handball? <laughs> and I went on, and then obviously Van der Gau. By the way, it was in goal. Just let's stop there. That crowd then when he come on, yeah. you'll never forget it. Unbelievable. And so I'd had this arrangement with Smike. I said, right. So I've got, I'm taking it left-footed because obviously mm. my right, right leg was, couldn't, couldn't take anything. Um, so I said to Pete, I said, you go to your right, I'll put it to the left. Great, no problem. So then he gets taken off. So <laughs> Van der Gaal's there standing in front of me. I thought, God, I've got to take this penalty there. So I'm sort of saying to him, I said, right, trying to relay the things right. You're going right, mm. I'm going left. But am I telling him I'm hitting <laughs> it that way? I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just went, right, I've got to take this now. And it was, Whacked it to the to the left actually, and he, he must have, uh, and he went to the right. But it was that that night, and that that, that set me up with it. So any fears I had, immediate fears, mm. um, with the, um, the the benefit game and things like that, and you know, it allowed me to pay my mortgage off mm. um, and things like that. So then, but I still then had to go back to to work, and then the offer I had after another year with Barry to go back and work in the community was that was that was. Brilliant there because yeah. it was a nice introduction with my coaching. I was working for the academy when that had just been set mm. up as well. Yeah, because I did some coaching for you, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I did some coaching in the community for, for him. Yeah, it was good, really good. I can remember this is a story. Me and David Burrows, obviously, the communal baths that right on the training ground, me and him was just chatting away. And you've come in, obviously, that was fresh. And you won't remember it. We're just there, and I knew what he was thinking, and he knew what I was thinking, and you've hopped into the bath. <laughs> I, I, I just had to get it, honestly, and it, and I felt really bad. But it wasn't the fact that it, it just it looked like it, you know, like a film like where you just it was horrendous. And that, me, obviously, Bugsy, we just had to get out. It was. But I don't think you clicked on. We try to do it like you know in the best way possible. Yeah. But I was nearly sick. <laughs> honestly, it was just like a dog's chewed chew his car. You were you are. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but it's never honestly for twenty seven years. I've never told him that. But I'm thinking honestly, it was yeah. that chewed up. I thought, oh my god, bad. <laughs> 
But then I cried at his testimonial, so, you know. Yeah. You're a man of many emotions. I have got a heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, that, that's well, We're just going to finish off quick fire. Quick fire questions. Who was the best manager you played under? Uh, and why? That's tough. Phil Neal for giving me my... Bobby Gore for giving me my debut. Hmm. Phil Neal for giving me uh, that chance to go on and, and, and be an established first-team player. And Ron Atkinson was by far the best overall manager. And he's... And him with Gordon Strachan as coach, yeah. they were the perfect yeah. for that period of time. Yeah, 100%. I just named all of them. <laughs> it's all right, that's all right. So you're saying Ron Atkinson, really silly. Uh, the best centre-half partnership? Oh, uh, I would say Peter Atherton because I learnt so much playing alongside him before he, he left. Mm. Uh, yeah. What was Daisha like to play with, or obviously alongside? Daisha was probably very similar to me in the fact of just how he played. He was, he was. Well, I wasn't as aggressive. As aggressive. Um, you an animal, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, as, as him. He he liked the, to have a have a scrap, yeah. a proper scrap. I yeah. was just if the ball was there, try and win it. If not, yeah. Yeah. but it was it was good to um, seeing him play alongside, play against when we played at Everton uh, against Duncan Big Ferguson. Duncan, yeah, that is a battle of the big I, boys. I, isn't I, it? I positioned myself. At the side of them. That's not yeah. me, you and Daisy. <laughs> yeah. Well, should have been. Yeah. The best trainer? Uh, Sean Flynn. Really? He could leap as well, couldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Physically, I'm talking about. Um, was you, Paul Salva, was you, he had a body yeah. enough, didn't he, Paul yeah. Salva? Uh, Flynn was the fittest by, by far across all of them. Mm. I mean, we're talking margin. Telfer would have been up there. Mm. Uh, Ability wise, you know, Dion's overall game was. Yeah. Um, um, Unsurpassable. Nuddy's skill, mm. Peter and Love. What about Roy Wegley? Was you there? Wegley, yeah. yeah. He had some tricks and flicks, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was quicker than he people gave him credit for. He was quicker than John Williams over 40 yards as mm. well. Mm. No, he was <laughs> Not over 100, well, but that. So, yeah, Roy Wegley. Good, nice, nice chap as well. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Was you there, Kobe Jones as well? Kobe Jones, yeah. Mm. Well, my lad's called Kobe. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that the Americans? Yeah. 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 So Phil Neal signed him after America played yeah. England, didn't yeah, there, there, was, there was a lot of anticipation because he looked great on yeah. camera and stuff and everyone thought he was going to be the next, yeah. next big thing. Yeah. Who should have gone on to do better but didn't um, actually achieve? Tony Sheridan. Yeah, that's <laughs> quite a good win. <laughs> you, know, you know what I think, really? And he still had a good career. No, we live. I think yeah. I think he was that close. He was a great finisher. Um, yeah. Unbelievable for me. He had the size, he had the strength, he had the power. Yeah. He was that close. I just on a personal thing, he maybe could have gone to the the next level of yeah. club. Yeah, signed for me. Leicester or something. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, obviously we we signed him. Oh, we were signing for a couple of again. I think Leeds, one yeah. and a half couple yeah. from yeah, Leeds. One point seven. Yeah. I think Jordan, like Gordon, yeah. Jordan Strachan went and got him. Mm. Yeah. You know, from, from there, and, and he was unbelievable for us. Yeah. And I think afterwards he obviously had. Um, some issues where mm. never probably, like you say, fulfilled his potential, mm. but the, mm. the, the clubs that he had. But I think he was, you know, in my, I think he was, his Leeds days, and then when he came to us. Yeah. The worst trainer, but obviously produced in the games. Worst trainer? I'm going to have to say worst trainer would probably be John Williams, the flying postman. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was shocking him training, but, but he, he produced. Yeah, but love when it comes to the games. Quick as anything. The worst dressed player. You've ever come across, and this is the last question. Oh God, worst dressed, Jonathan some... Gould. Yeah. Believe me, he yeah. was the worst dressed. Mm. Yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah. I really thought he was going to nominate you. No honestly. chance. The best dressed. Oh God, say Scott, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> 
Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, mate. It really has been. Thanks for your time. Thank you.